Good morning, everyone. So as you turn to chapter, uh, the book of Luke, or look up at the screen. So uh, Glenn has just prayed for it, so I'll get straight into the reading. So this is actually um, part of the story from On the Road to Emmaus, because Jesus has met with the two guys, and they didn't know it was Jesus. So starting from verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, but they urged him to him strongly saying stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent so he went to stay with them when he was at the table with them he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight and they and they said to each other did not our hearts burn with us within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures and they rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Rem's a reading. Reminder, sorry, I turned that off and on again. Just a reminder, um, down the aisle are our communication and prayer books. So people down the aisle, if you want to pick them up, um, pass them down if you want prayer things. But they're also just a reminder, we remind this every week, they're communication books. If you'd like to know more about the church, if you'd like someone to visit you, if you want uh, anything, just write it in there. Um, also prayer requests. Uh, if you don't get it during the service, pick them up afterwards. Uh, I know that they get prayed for and the prayer team and the leadership team uh, pray for these things. So please uh, make use of them. Um, we have been working our way through a sermon series uh, looking at um, the master plan. Uh, our theme um, for the last number of months has been looking at uh, the way Jesus did discipleship in the Gospels. And this is part of our big uh, sort of exploration of our purpose of uh, being a church that uh, moves people in following Christ. Uh, and we've, uh, over the last number of months, been uh, exposed uh, to some of the ways that Jesus moved people in following him. That we've been using uh, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, uh, where Jesus sends out his disciples and therefore sends out us, his church, into the world to go and make disciples, uh, to baptise them into the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit and to teach them um, to obey. And so uh, I think Joel did a good... If you haven't listened to Joel's sermon from last week, it's online, uh, well worth a listen. Uh, and he did this nice bit which um, he sort of broke up that, uh, the, um, the Great Commission and the four verbs that are in there, the main verb, the main doing thing, 
in that whole Great Commission is making disciples. That's the emphasis, is making disciples. And then the other verbs around it about going uh, and, and um, baptising and teaching are the ones that are sort of focusing around that, that main one. So that's sort of the way we've been framing um, our sermon series. So now uh, we're into the next section. If we go to the next slide, we're into the next section where we're going to uh, do three sermons on um, this teaching them to obey. Um, And we're going to look at uh, the Bible or the Scriptures. Uh, We're going to look at parables. We're going to look at prayer uh, and how Jesus taught people, uh, taught his disciples uh, about these things. Just letting you know, over the next month or so, this is going to be a bit broken up because we're actually having some uh, guest preachers come in as well. Uh, so next week, I think we've got um, Murray Capel from the RTC coming in. And we've, a couple of weeks after that, we've got um, Tim Meyer from Melbourne School of Theology coming in. Um, I'm actually preaching at PC3. Andrew's in there a bit. So it's going to be a bit sort of broken up, but this is sort of where we're going over the next uh, month or so. Just... Um, just if you didn't uh, know it already, with PC3, um, it's a great news that um, Richard and Leslie Schumacher from Mount Evelyn have actually received uh, a call and they're going to PC3. And so they're going to be uh, the minister um, uh, down in PC3 starting as of 2017, so January. So uh, just pray for PC3. It's a great um, thing for them and for Richard and Leslie as they uh, begin that work too. So here we go, first slide. What, what's, our, what's my first slide? Oh, no, no, I think we're sticking with this one. Uh, okay, Jesus taught his disciples to obey the Scriptures. That in the Scriptures, in the Bible, which Bible, again, I think just some of that basic stuff, Bible means book. It's a collection of books. The Scriptures mean that they were written down and they, what was written down were God's words to his people. And so in the Bible, we have God's words to his people. And so as Jesus teaches his disciples uh, the scriptures or the Bible, he's really teaching them sort of the commands of God that are in it. And I wanted to particularly, we will go to the next slide, um, just to, as we go into this, this teaching them to obey, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time on this obey thing. Because I think often um, when we hear the word obey and Bible together, uh, if it's not us as a church, the world in, generally, in general, um, perceive that the Bible is a rule book, okay? So it's God's rule book and that God's got this book open before him and he's checking off the list as to whether you do, the, do enough stuff or if you haven't done enough stuff. And that uh, often I think that's the way the world looks at it, that there's a God up there that's got this rule book in front of him and he's just marking down every time you break the rules or, um, you know... This is what you've got to do, the list of do's and and don'ts. And he's just up there keeping track of it. And that if you've done enough of them, or you get to go to heaven, if you haven't done enough of them, you you go to hell. And there's, uh, yeah, that perception of God. that Almost there's this sense that God's mostly angry and disappointed with you. Often that's sort of the perception of the the world who have a little bit to do with Christianity. And what I would say is that some of that thinking creeps into the church. And I know I've had had some of that thinking and that we have elements of that thinking in the way that we relate to God. 
And uh, particularly this year, I've been uh, trying to emphasize, and again this morning when we were praying, it was some great stuff when we were praying before the service, this emphasis on God who delights in his people. Yeah, he knows that we've done wrong and he knows that we haven't um, done what we are, but he says, I've taken care of that. And this is what I, I keep saying to you, just remember, God doesn't love us because what we do, he loves us because of who we are. We know how that works. Parents don't love our kids or not because of what they do. We love them because they're our kids. We love them whether they do good or they do bad. <laughs> and just a reminder of this picture of a God who delights in us, who rejoices over us uh, as his people. And just watch this idea when we read words like he taught them to obey, that here comes the book of the list of do's and don'ts again. And so what I want to propose to you, and I, I'm pretty sure this is what Jesus was doing when he was teaching his disciples the scripture, um, and I think it's what the Holy Spirit wants us to see when we read the Bible, that the Bible is a love story. It's actually a story. It's not a book of rules. It's a story of how God uh, came into this world. It's a story of how God's interacting with the world. It's a story of how God loved the world and his people. And it's being revealed to us um, over history. And that our response to this love story is to be a response of love. And when we talk about obedience and we talk about the law and rules and stuff like that, the law and the rules show us what love looks like. And so when we're reading the Bible, we can have an understanding of this is what love looks like. That Christianity is unlike any other religion, or I would say any other worldview. Humanism's would be in this as well and secularism as well is that you know it's the do versus done thing you, many of you probably heard this lots isn't it that re religion is all about what you do to keep your god happy and if you do enough then you get the rewards secularism and humanism works the same if you work hard enough do enough well then you'll reap the rewards of your life christianity is the only worldview that flips that the other way and says it's because of what God has done for you, this is now how you can live. And that's why they say that this book brings freedom and joy and hope and peace. Because it shows us what love looks like. Because God now knows us. He has adopted us as his children. There's nothing that separates us from his love. And so now as we get to understand these scriptures, we understand it as the big love story of God. And that you need to understand it in the context of the big story because when we read the little bits in between, it can get quite confusing and it can get quite hard to understand. And if we read just bits and pieces of it, we're trying to work. So we have to understand that in the context of the big story, the love story of God to his people. And so out of this passage, I don't know if you picked it up, when Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with these two disciples, Jesus does that. He takes the two, two disciples through the love story. So do you see where he went back to? 
when he started to tell them, he went back to Moses and the prophets, right? He went back to probably the writings of Moses, which is the first five books of the, the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And, and he started to teach them about what God was doing in that, how he was working uh, to, to raise up the one who would defeat the enemy, raise up the anointed one, the Messiah who was going to come. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? That he was the fulfillment of that. He put Jesus, put himself into that love story. And we who are, you know, some 2,000 years on, get the second half of the love story, haven't we? That Jesus uh, accomplished what he did on the cross, that the Spirit came now upon the church and the church is living out as a dwelling place of God and we have the hope that one day Jesus will come again and restore this earth to the way it was meant to be. God and his people living together in a physical reality. And so uh, I, I found a couple of these. We go to the next slide. Just because I, I tried to do this this week. If someone asked you what the story of the Bible was about, do you reckon you could do it in a minute? Or if someone told you the story, what's the story of God about? Do you reckon you could do it in a couple of minutes? I tried to do it this week. Dave was with me in the office and we were scribbling over the whiteboard trying to work out. And I think what we do, for me, this is sort of the teaching element is to get a bit of an overall framework that we can plug bits of the overall story into. And I think this is one of them. There's a few around. This is great. That um, begins with creation. God made the world and people. The fall came. So it brings in the idea of sin and evil um, and then uh, the redemption, that there was the promised one who was going to come uh, and redeem God's people and save them. Um, and then restoration. The end of the book, we get God and his people back on the new earth again. God living with his people. Uh, and it's progressed from a garden to a city. <laughs> and God and his people together in that place. And there's this overall story. Uh, God's love story is that he so loved his family... <laughs> He wants them back together with him uh, on earth perfection. And the reason he's holding off is so that all that he would have come to him have got time to come to him. And then when they are, he will come back and restore us. Uh, I found this other one. This is the one, if you come into the office, go to the next slide. Joel's got this up above his desk. This is a bit more complicated. There are lots of complicated versions of it. But uh, this is, this is a, um, what I like about this is the title of it. God's dream for the world. This is God's desire for the world. And so that he create. and I think that don't get too much about in concerned about the internal bit, but just the, the cycle around the outside, all the C words, that was creation uh, again, that there was a crisis, that God called a people to be the means by which he would reveal himself to the world. Uh, he... Uh, and then those people, remember the cycles of sin and uh, repentance and brokenness and coming back, the cycles that eventually led to Christ, the anointed one coming. And then when Christ ascended to heaven, he sent the counselor, the Holy Spirit to earth. And that uh, Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of Christ, is now present in his church. And it is if Christ is still on the, church, uh, on the world today, living out uh, his redemptive work as his kingdom come to the earth now already 
uh, as it is in heaven. And we now live in that, um, you might have heard that phrase, the now and not yet. The kingdom has come, but not in its fullness. And then uh, the consummation, but the new creation, and that one day we'll be back on the new earth with God again. I think we need to understand some of this big story picture so that when we're seeking to teach people to obey, that we have the framework of this love story, that we understand uh, what God is doing, we understand where different things fit into, we understand where our lives fit into this story. Um, just a couple of resources if you're taking notes. Uh, I put some stuff up on Facebook this week. Uh, there's a, a website called The Bible Project, if you want to use that. I, they um, they uh, animate the overall sort of story of the Bible or, or stories of the books, the books of different books of the Bible. They are well worth and they're a great tool. They take a little bit, they're six minutes or so, most of them, but they give you an overall picture and overall themes that are flowing through the Bible. They're great teaching tools uh, for kids, but for uh, other people that are interested as well. Uh, I put something up there this week also, the Bible in 50 words. Did you see that? I think that was a nice one. Just have a look, something like that, the Bible in 50 words. Getting an idea of this big picture uh, of helping us understand uh, the love story of God. Um, so uh, I think that's what Jesus is doing. He didn't just go to the disciples and give them, this is a list of rules and regulations and stuff like that. No, he told them the big love story of God. Here's the thing. Uh, no, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we'll go to the next slide. Um, this is the other, just a couple of things that we're picking out of this passage. Just note again, Jesus is walking on the road and he's walking and talking, he's walking and teaching. And this is a theme that flows right through the Bible, even back to Deuteronomy 6. Remember this uh, for families and the way this works. And, Jesus, uh, and God was saying to the people then, parents, remember when you rise, when you sit, when you walk, when you go, wherever you teach, walk, teach, walk, teach, uh, continue to have this story flow out of your life. Help your kids to know, help those that you're discipling to know how this story works and how their story fits in to the big story. We're asking that self that question of who are we passing this story onto and how are we doing it? One of the things that uh, I'm into a bit at the moment and I'm reading uh, and, and looking at, and you're probably going to hear stuff over the coming months about this, is the idea of gospel fluency. Gospel fluency is the ability to be able to interpret, speak and act on everything you do out of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So whether it's your work, whether it's your leisure, whether it's your recreation, whether it's your relationships that you become fluent in being able to express why you do those things as Christians. That as a follower of Christ, you can actually explain your everyday actions and why you do them as a follower of Christ. Because I think this is the way the world is going to get to know the story of God. As we show them what it looks like and why we do what we do. So in word and deed. So we've been asking these two questions around discipleship and these are the two, two around the teaching particularly. Who are you teaching this story to? Who has God put in your path? 
for families, often that's pretty easy to ask. This is direct, but um, for all of us, we've been talking about there are people at different journey, different parts of their journey. God has put people who do not yet know Him in your path. My question to you is, how are you teaching them the story of God? I've been interacting with people at Cabell Kitchen, uh, and again, uh, just talking with people there that have had little or no exposure to this story, or have very distorted uh, understandings of the story. And again, how, people in your workplace, in your schools, how, how are you learning um, and, and how are you growing um, in being able to communicate uh, this story? And one of the reasons we've been focusing on grow groups is that this is the place where we teach each other the story, we remind each other the story, we talk about how that's act out, acted out. In one, one of the questions in our grow groups, accountability groups, is... What is God saying to you through his word? And this is where we work together to help make sure that the story is continued. What is God saying to us through his word? How we're interacting with it, getting to know how that actually impacts in our daily lives. Um, we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things. We test the story against others. This week, I just had it, I met with my grow group this week um, and in our grow group, um, I'd had a, a dream a couple of weeks. It, it was interesting. I, yeah, anyway, long story. I answered a prayer. I had this dream, um, and I'd been processing this dream. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with it, and I mentioned it to my life group. And I was sort of going down a certain path with it. And then these blokes started to say, I'm not so sure about that. Have you thought about this? Or you think about that? Um, and we actually came across some of the things that Jesus said about it. I thought, yeah, <laughs> they actually, we together sort of worked out this story and what was happening in my life in context with this big story. And it actually gave me a way to live that out during the week. We remember later on as we go through the New Testament, this constant refrain from Paul as he's encouraging the churches, older men teach younger men, older women teach younger women. And that's not necessarily just age, that might just be in journeys of faith as well. Teach them to obey. Help them to know what the love response of worship looks like. Tell them the story. And we ask ourselves in that, those sorts of questions as well, um, what are you reading? Are you reading the Word or are you uh, engaging with other Christian literature? Uh, how is the story being real to you in that place? So that's just uh, walking, talking stuff. We'll go to the next one, which is... Remember, it's spiritual. I don't know if you picked that up in the passage. It was very spiritual what happened. It wasn't just logical. So it wasn't just a teaching class of this is how the Bible works, this is how the story works, this is you know, how the, we can put it all together in a picture and we can work out the plan and here are all the C's and this is... No, did, you just, did you read what happened? Jesus opened their hearts, the Spirit opened their hearts to understand this. That if you think that you're just going to understand it and explain it to others and have them get it by your own logic or wisdom, God just reminds us, no, this is a supernatural thing. To understand this story and to get this love story, it's a supernatural thing. But what does that mean for us? 
as we're trying to teach this story. What does that mean for us? Well, that's nice to say, but what does it mean? It means if you are not praying, if you are not on your knees seeking God to reveal his story to yourself and to those that he's put in, it's probably going to be powerless because it's his power that's going to make the story known to yourself and to others. So, you know, the simple things that we talk about, when I open the Bible, I say, God, help me understand this. Holy Spirit, come, help me hear your voice in this. Every time you open it, God, I want to, Holy Spirit, help me to hear. Help me to understand this story. What's this bit about? I think recognize that even in that, you will still have seasons. There are some seasons where you're going to read the word and it's just going to burn within you like these disciples. It's just like, oh, this is like a word. I've read this a hundred times before, but write me. It brings me to tears. It just rivets me. It just hits my heart. And then there will be other times where you read the Bible day in, day out, week in, week out, week out, and it's like a desert. And it's just really hard work. But don't doubt that God's still at work in that. That he's depositing these little seeds along the way. And often, it probably it's places, I was thinking to myself, why is it that we get into the desert place? There's probably a whole lot of things in there at work, isn't there? There's probably our own selves, that we're, you know, there might be some selfishness or worldliness that stops us. We get distracted by other things or we're not really attentive to God. Or, um, but there's Satan. Satan's going to be at work saying, God doesn't listen to you. He doesn't answer you. This is a dry book. Uh, he'll sow all sorts of le- uh, seeds that this doesn't make sense. Why do you even bother? He'll prevent you from asking others. He'll stop you from asking others, what does this mean? How do I understand this? How do you live that out? So just watch out for those things uh, as we read through as well. I'm reading through Leviticus at the moment. Just started reading through the Bible again. Um, I'm reading through the Leviticus. And that's pretty hard work, trying to understand what all that's about. But there's this repeated line, and I've read it before, and it, it just, again, has just sung out to me that as the Israelites are doing all this sacrifice stuff and all weird and wonderful details, there's this line was... Uh, and it was an aroma pleasing to God. And it's just been resonating in my head. What is it mean? Aroma? What about, what, is, what in my life am I bringing that's an aroma pleasing to God? And it's obedience. <laughs> it's actually doing what he wants me to do. And I've been thinking about sacrifice. And I, I get the sense that God's speaking to me again, reminding me of the sacrifice that Jesus made so that I now am empowered to sacrifice my life for him. So as we read, ask the Holy Spirit. And again, as we go and speak to people, call your grow group, call your life group and say, I'm about to speak to this person. Pray that God will speak to them. I'm hoping that the conversation might go this way. Pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the love story of God. Because we believe that the Scriptures are God-breathed. Remember Joel's sermon from last week, uh, that they bring new life. The Holy Spirit works through them. And so that's why we uh, try and give them the Bible and maybe Bible verses and uh, things like that as well. Getting people engaging with the Scriptures because we know that there's a supernatural thing that happens with that. And I think it's a beautiful thing that God chooses to reveal himself through people like us that are so hopeless at explaining his story. 
you know, you, get, you try and explain it and the words just don't come out and you look back at what you just said and you thought, oh, that was just stupid. <laughs> and yet God says that even through... The, I, my line is, and I believe it's biblical, what God wants from us and biblical, he says, just say something. Just say something. Because remember, God will give you the words. And even if you think that they are mixed up, remember it's the power of God at work, not your words. It's going to sink into the person that you're speaking to. So please, people, just say something. Something of God, something of Jesus. Give it a... And you know what happens? The more you do it, the more you practice it, you actually get better at it. It's a discipline thing and you actually get better at it. And I think God works in that through us. Um, so give it a go. Got to finish. Uh, Jesus demonstrates supernatural acts of... Yeah, okay, I've done that. This is where the supernatural bit goes. At the end of the story, do you remember what happens there? We'll go to that last slide. At the end of the story, this is what happens. He was at the table with them and he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened as they recognised him. There's something about what we're going to do now that is the supernatural revelation of Christ. That when we participate in this supper, something similar to that should happen to us. As we do it each month, month in, month out, that this is a physical representation of a spiritual reality. And so this morning, as Jesus offers you this bread, he says, take it, eat it, remember who I am. As you, as you take this, remember the story that God created the world, and sin entered it, and a Saviour's come, that he's now given us his spirit, that he's coming back, that one day you'll get to eat this feast in heaven, in perfection, forever. But now here on earth, you get to taste it. So taste this. Remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. And as you eat this, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the depth of his love, the depth of that love story. As you eat this this morning, ask him to remind you what it means to respond in love what it looks like to obey him, what it looks like to worship him. Because he's saying, you know, my line is, just as we physically, that's how real God's love is for us. As real as you hold this bread in your hand, as you hold the, that's how real it is that Jesus lived and died amongst us so that you may have life forever. And as he sits at the table and he takes a cup He pours it out and he gives it to you. This is Jesus. He offers you to this, just like, and he says, we, he calls it the cup of thanksgiving. And so remember, why do we give thanks for this? We give thanks because of who we now are. So as this blood was shed, it was as if we died on that cross. And that as Jesus rose again, it's as if we rose again to a new life, life to the full, 
life full of His Spirit, life where there is no condemnation for you, there is no spot or blemish, there is nothing that separates you from the love of the Father. So give thanks for this. Rejoice in it. Ask God as you swallow this this morning, ask His Spirit to make it real. Ask Him to get your hearts to burn as you participate in the Word this morning. This supper reminds us of the love story of God, that right at the centre is Jesus Christ, our Saviour King. We remember the big story and we remember that this is a spiritual experience. It's a spiritual revelation of the love of God that we participate in this supper this morning. The Word became flesh. You get that? The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. You get to take the Word into you this morning. And I'm, uh, let me pray. Lord, as we participate in this supper this morning, as you hand us the bread, as you hand us the cup again this morning, Holy Spirit, come upon us in supernatural power. Come upon us so that our hearts will burn as we recognize where we fit into your story, as we recognize the extent of your love, the extent of your grace and your mercy, the extent that you went to to make us right with you, to give us hope of the new heavens and the new earth. We thank you that here on this earth, while it's still broken and messed up, we can get to taste the kingdom here on earth already. So, Lord, I just pray that this morning this will be a supernatural experience for us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's interesting when Jesus is walking with his disciples there, he's talking to them, he gives them a bit of a warning. He actually says, I think he says, uh, what is it, your, your hearts, you're slow, to, slow of heart to believe. And then he sort of reveals himself. And, I, and I th Jesus constantly reminds that the into our story, the into his story is belief. You've got to believe that this is true. It's repentance and belief. So repentance means I just turn to God, turn away from the old self, and I believe this is true. And the Bible is saying, if you don't believe this, then he says, don't participate in it. And it goes to, uses words, strong words, of saying, don't participate in this, uh, lest you eat and drink judgment on yourself. And so he gives a, a fairly stern warning. And at the same time, he says, all you need to do is accept it, because I've done everything else. All you've got to do is believe it. That's the only step in. So if you believe this this morning... You believe that Jesus Christ was the one sent from heaven to earth to pay for your sin on the cross so that you can have life, forever, life forevermore, then participate in this. I'm going to call uh, our elders uh, forward this morning and it's uh, nice that our elders have been charged to make sure uh, that the people know <laughs> the word of God. And so they're going to come, uh, come forward guys and... Um, we're going to hand this and serve you as Christ served those disciples. We're going to serve you 
and pray that God reveals himself to you. So uh, grab a bread and a tray, whichever one you want to choose. Two of you go over that side. I'll join whoever on this side. And uh, we're going to uh, serve you on that. So I'm going to ask that you'd come forward, take some bread, take a cup, go back to your seat, and then we'll um, participate in together. And as we do this, uh, we'll have a bit of music playing, but be in prayer and asking God uh, to stir and move in you as we participate in the supper. So please come. The table is ready for you. broken is our sharing in the body of Christ. So take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. This cup of thanks, for which we give thanks, is our sharing in the blood of Christ. Take it, drink it, remember and believe that the blood of our Saviour was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. In the first chapter of John, in the Gospels, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing that has been made, or nothing that, without Him... Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was light for all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. It's the light that now lives in you. It goes on to say, The word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he's been given to you. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself is God, is in the closest relationship with the Father, and he has been made known to us. Let's pray. Lord and God, as we leave this place this morning, may we be full of your word. 
May we radiate with the truth of your word. May we know your scriptures. May we know the truth of your Bible. May we know the truth of your love story, of who you are and who we are because of you. And may your grace and mercy and peace be ours as we seek to display this to the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before we head off into the world and into our lives, let us respond in obedience by worshipping our God. So we're going to sing, and we're going to sing a song that's called, Oh Praise the Name. And actually, it's a little story in itself. It's a love story about what we just participated in. It's a love story that at the centre of God's big story is the story of Jesus and what he has done to make that story, the big story, a reality in our lives. And so as we sing this, just a reminder that as we, this, I think this is a song that does it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does this. At times it sings to God and we praise God, but at other times it's singing to each other and it's saying, come on, let's praise God together for the reality of what's happening. So again, I just pray that, or ask that when we sing this song, being pray, praying that God's spirit will uh, act in us together. At other times in this song, it will talk about personally. It will talk I. So it has I, we's, and focuses on God. I think that it's good that these songs do that. Engage with who you're singing to and why you're singing and spur one another on as we sing these songs, as we sing of the story of the love of God. Uh, this will be our last song, so after that, uh, you f- feel free to uh, join for coffee and tea. Don't forget to pick your kids up over there, and our prayer team will be available. Another way that God reveals himself powerfully is through prayer, and his word often is proclaimed through prayer. And so our prayer team will be over that side or that side, and we would love to pray with you uh, this morning as well. So please stand, and let's worship our God as we sing this song together.